The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. Our text for our sermon is written in the Gospel history according to St. Mark, chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. They left the synagogue and went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was lying in bed, sick with a fever. Without delay, they told Jesus about her. He went to her, took her by the hand, and raised her up. The fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening, when the sun had set, the people kept bringing to him all who were sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. He healed many people who were sick with various diseases and drove out many demons. But he did not allow the demons to speak, because they knew who he was. Jesus got up early in the morning while it was still dark and went out. He withdrew to a solitary place and was praying there. Simon and his companions searched for him, and when they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. He told them, Let's go somewhere else, to the neighboring villages, so that I can preach there too. In fact, that is why I have come. Then he went throughout the whole region of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. This is the gospel history of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, about the third to the last year that I served in South Dakota, there was one of those churches in Rapid City, South Dakota. And it was Holy Week. But they had put on the radio the advertisement and it caught like wildfire and local channels were reporting it and everything. They were going to give away $6,000 worth of free gas. $20 per gas tank. And the people lined up at that gas station literally Saturday before Easter. And there was a long line of cars and they burned through that $6,000. They put $20 worth of gas in every one of those tanks. But there was such a long line. People got mad to hear that they weren't going to get their free gas. And so that church real quick, they called their council members. They made a quick plan. They opened up another $6,000 worth of gas. And they gave away a total of $12,000 worth of gasoline the day before Easter Sunday morning. And Easter Sunday morning, not one person who got a free $20 worth of gas showed up to church. The second service, not one person. The Sunday after, not one person. The Sunday after, not one person. You'd think, 20 bucks, can you at least come to their church? The church had the wrong idea. And in a way, that's what was going on with Jesus lots of times. Now, Jesus always had the right idea. But people were bringing to him the demon-possessed and the sick. They saw a need they wanted to be fulfilled. But lots of them, uh, this salvation stuff, you're asking too much. I don't want to hear that. Brothers and sisters in Christ. It's weird when you hear as the disciples come to him. Because there's people and they had needs. Imagine if you were the one who was sick and wanted to be healed. And the disciples find him there in verse 38 and he told them, let's go somewhere else to the neighboring villages so that I can preach there too. In fact, that is why I have come. The miracles, the driving out demons, they were to confirm the message that he is the God man. He is the Messiah. But he came to tell people, I've come to earn your salvation and he earned it for you and I. And if we do things to reach out to our community, but we never give the opportunity to tell them that they're saved, we're wasting our time like they were giving out that gas. So in today's sermon, we see Jesus came to proclaim our, and I'll say specifically, your salvation. 
So he had been proclaiming it in the synagogue, and that's kind of the grandfather to our church that we have today. And, and it, so it was natural that you'd go there and hear a sermon preached. So they left the synagogue and went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was lying in bed sick with the fever. Without delay, they told Jesus about her. He went to her and took her by the hand and raised her up. The fever left her, and she began to serve them. This is the apostle Peter, his brother. Andrew shares the same roof with him. If you think that Peter's mother-in-law had not heard that he was that he'd given up a, a career in which he provided for his family, her daughter, and if you think she hadn't heard that he had left that career to serve the Messiah, you're a fool. She clearly knew that Jesus was the Christ. Her son-in-law was following him around. Probably at times Peter's wife followed with him as well. This woman was a believer. And he comes to Simon's house and, and she has a fever. Now, you can catch a fever sometimes and still go to work. It's pretty obvious this fever was more serious than that. This was a believer. And so for her, when Jesus came to her and healed her, the healing confirmed to her, your faith is in the right place. I am the Messiah and I have authority over this and I want to make you well. Brothers and sisters in Christ, think about that. He's in the house of a believer and he heals that believer. Because, I want to point that out to you, there are especially the mega churches today, there are, there are pastors, they preach a theology of success, a theology of glory. If you give the right amount of offerings, if you pray the right amount of times, if you say you love Jesus enough, then Jesus is going to make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. They preach as if there will be no crosses that come upon you. That's not what happened to Job, is it? An Old Testament lesson, Job, who was a believer, Job lives probably around within a hundred years of when Jacob's sons go down to Egypt after their brother Joseph becomes Pharaoh's right-hand man. And the devil comes up to God and says, I've beat you. Nobody worships you anymore. God says, oh, have you tried Job? And to make a long story short, the devil says, Bosh, you've spoiled him. You've given him everything. He's healthy, he's wealthy, and he's wise. God says, fine, you can take everything but his life. Go have at it. Now, the devil's a fool. He's been around longer than I have. He's smarter than I am, but he's a fool. Because faith is not a decision Job had made. Faith is God's Holy Spirit living in your heart, so is God's Holy Spirit living in Job's heart. Do you think God's Holy Spirit was going to let Job curse the Lord and die as Job's wife begged him to do in the midst of his misery? No. But Job goes through all that suffering, and he says, and all he ultimately says, I just want to know why. And God says, you can't handle the why. But I know the why. Job was a believer, and he suffered so miserably, so that here... Fred Sherman, 3,000 some years or more later, can look back and say, oh, sometimes when life is miserable for me and God allows crosses to come upon me, I might not know the reason, but he's working it for my good and the good of others. Job suffered for you so that you could know that God still loves you and is still working with you and he will keep you in his hands even when the world is saying, where's your God now? Curse God and die. And maybe Peter's mother-in-law's sickness wasn't for her sake at all, but for your and my sake so that we could see that, yes, even among believers, God does allow crosses to come upon us. Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you must take up your cross and follow me. And yet, having her faith confirmed, what does she do? She serves the Lord. 
The Lord calls us to serve him. And one of the ways we serve him is simply trusting in him when our miseries come upon us and trust, you know, this might be for my good. Maybe God's disciplining me. Maybe God is using this to show me where my faith is weak. Or maybe, maybe God is allowing me to suffer this so that my neighbor can get a message. But we're God's servants. And so in faith, the new man, not the sinful nature, the new man says, Amen, thy will be done. Jesus came to proclaim our salvation, your salvation. And that's a salvation from sickness that invades even the house of God's servants. You are God's servant. And the greatest sickness he's healed us from was one that kept us from being in his house. We have that original sin. That sin that we forget what original sin is. It leads to things like stealing and lying and cheating. But original sin begins with an innate disposition to despise God. Your sinful nature was a slave to the devil and so was mine. And there's no way we could be part of God's house. That's why Jesus came. God took on our human flesh. He was holy in our place. He purchased and won your and my souls for himself to put us in his house. And so we see Jesus came to proclaim our salvation, salvation from a sickness, whether it's sinful nature or other sicknesses that invades even the house of God's servants. God does promise you that crosses will come, but he uses them. And the faith he gives us allows us to trust he's doing so. That evening, when the sun had set, the people kept bringing to him all who were sick and demon-possessed. Now, it was the Sabbath day when Jesus was healing. And the epitome of work righteousness was the Pharisees. But, but the Sadducees and many of the other Jews still believed it, that they kept the law and that saved them. Not God saved them, therefore they kept the law. And they had these strange rules. On the Sabbath day, as we know from other stories, the Pharisees were mad when Jesus healed people and made them whole because that was working. And of course, carrying somebody who was sick on a cot or a stretcher to the Lord to be healed, that would be considered work. That would be wrong. Now, ironically, though, if you tightened up your belt and it happened to end around their cot and you just walked and drug them behind you, that was not considered work. Such is the folly of work righteousness. So they come at night because the Sabbath's over, so now they can heal. And Jesus heals those people. The whole town, we're told, gathered at the door. And we're told he healed many people who were sick with various diseases and drove out many demons. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the thing I want to point out to you is most people who end up under demon possession do so because they have rejected the word of God. Theologians argue whether or not a believer can become demon possessed where the Holy Spirit lives in the heart. But you could say most people clearly who end up demon possessed were demon possessed after rejecting the word of God. These people didn't deserve the healing Jesus gave. They, like you and I, as I mentioned, original sin, they didn't deserve salvation either. But Jesus came to proclaim our salvation. Salvation even for those who have rejected it. They had rejected the word of God. That's why they were demon-possessed, and yet he still came and healed them. And that confirms something as well, because he told those demons, we're told, but he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew who he was. Now, God certainly can use the testimony of enemies. As the people sat at the cross and threw insults at Jesus, one of the men who was crucified next to him came to believe that Jesus was the Christ. But as a whole, that kind of news was not the message that Jesus wanted. The demons knew he was the Christ. They knew he was the Son of God. He didn't let them speak because their testimony would have been one of hatred and fear. 
And the testimony Jesus wants for us, yes, we should fear the law, we should fear our damnation, but we should stop fearing when we see that our damnation ends at the cross, where Christ kept the law for us and Christ removed our punishment and purchased and won us and freed us from our slavery to sin, death, and the devil. Hence, once again, you and I didn't deserve it. It wasn't that we were so great. It's that God loves you and he's brought you salvation. And so we see Jesus came to proclaim our salvation even to those who've rejected it. And that's something for us to remember. What happens when we get that visitor that maybe they've been in the newspaper for some of those awful crimes against people that we don't want to be anywhere near them. We're disgusted by them. Well, Jesus brought salvation to those who were demon-possessed. Jesus used a murderer who was killing Christians and made him the Apostle Paul. And so, yes, we too see Jesus came to proclaim our salvation. Salvation from a sickness that invades even the house of God's servants and salvation even for those who have rejected it. It's still there, still offered to them, still proclaimed to them. Then we're told Jesus got up early in the morning while it was still dark and went out. He withdrew to a solitary place and was praying there. Brothers and sisters in Christ, isn't it strange to think that true God who became true man because he was a man did need a break from the people? It was important work. These people were sick. They were demon-possessed, but he still took time to take a break. And what did he do on his break when he withdrew, even left his disciples behind? He spent time in prayer. Jesus has saved you. When you and I were in our state of our original sin with no new man, God, he knew we were praying to him, but he didn't hear our prayers in a way that was beneficial to us. He didn't answer them as a loving father. Jesus has removed your and my sin, washes it away daily in his blood, so that the barrier between us and God is gone. We can pray directly to God, and he hears us as a loving daddy. The salvation Jesus has brought to us frees us to be with God, and that's not the way the world sees it. What you're doing this morning... Everybody else who's not in church, they pretty much see that as a burden. They see that as oppression. They see that as a pain and boring. But you are free, free from the slavery of this world to come and worship God. And you have done so. And you worship God when you bring your problems to him. And you don't have to give him the solutions that he knows better than you do. Daddy, here's my problem. And he loves to hear, and he loves to answer. Now, his answers may go right back to, but I need you to bear this cross longer for your neighbor. But I need you to bear this cross because I'm using it to strengthen your faith and trust in me. But the point here is with that salvation, we are freed to be with God. Now, especially when I had catechism in a larger church, I could always predict at the beginning of the year which kids were going to do very well and which ones weren't when they first started. We always got them all evened out by the end. And you could always, the kids that stood out that really didn't struggle with catechism, there was always this key factor. The kids who started with struggling, their parents didn't bring them to church. The kids who did all right, they were regularly in church and Sunday school. And the kids who excelled, they were the ones whose parents took, didn't have to be even every day, but a little bit of time to read a devotion during the week or to read a Bible history story to them. Now, we're free to do that. I'm not going to give you a guilt trip and say, every Monday night and Tuesday night at 5 o'clock, you need to sit. No, we're free. And you're free. Sometimes our days get busy and maybe we forget and we put our head on our pillow and fall asleep quickly because we're exhausted. But think about that. In your sinful nature, God won't let you stand in his presence. And think about that. Your sinful nature doesn't want to be around God. It wants to embrace the ways of this world. But the salvation Jesus won for you and has proclaimed for you has freed you to be with God. 
Be with God in worship in your own life as you withdraw to solitary places or together as our brothers and sisters gather together on Sunday mornings and soon Wednesday nights again. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, we see Jesus came to proclaim our salvation. The people saw a need. They were demon-possessed. They were sick. And they, they needed that, but what they needed more was salvation. And so he left that area so that he could go and tell others the good news of salvation. The miracles were to confirm that he was the Messiah. So we see he came to proclaim our salvation. Salvation from sicknesses that invade even the house of God's servants. That's you and I. Salvation even for those who have rejected it. He leads us to accept it. And then salvation that frees us to be with God so that we can be confident that he is our heavenly daddy, our brother, and the Holy Spirit living in our hearts. Amen. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord will be with all of you. Amen.